0: I think I'm gonna make it. I've had no sleep. The train took forever last night, but it gave me some time to think. An attempted robbery at the Federal Reserve's bank vault? I think my cop lady last night was right. That has to be what the street battle was about. Wicks and Gaines were trying to arrest a high-level Homeland agent named Shilman. If I can put Shillman at the Federal Reserve vault, then her theory will be pretty much confirmed. I'm surprised Uncle George didn't know about the vault break-in, but then he came into this a couple days later. He followed the failed arrest of Shilman, where the cops turned on cops, to the bloodbath in the financial tower. And then the Seal of Solomon stuff led him back to the beginning at the port. Maybe Uncle George was closing the loop. He'd known Shillman was dirty for years. Maybe he was on to Shulman being at the Federal Reserve, and that's what got him in hot water. A breach of what was supposed to be the most secure vault in the world? that's the sort of thing that's worthy of a full-on government cover-up. And Gaines. He worked for Shillman, but Uncle George said he was solid. And he was at all three places. Maybe the port was just a distraction to keep guys like Gaines busy. And maybe this whole demon thing had just been a Scooby Doo style ruse. Scare away prying eyes and muddy the narrative. If so, Gaines might have figured it out. He was supposed to be handed the backup tapes from the vault, and now hasn't been seen since the bloodbath at the tower. Two sources tell me body bags went out through the basement. Was he in one of them? I still don't know. And if the demon story was a ruse, why did Uncle George fall so deeply into it? I'm for sure in the rabbit hole now. Maybe this is where I find out just how deep it goes. I'm Rebecca Lash, and you're listening to The Weird. I made it. Good morning. Is Josephine here? I know it's almost shift change. I just clocked in. Josephine should be. Oh, wait. I don't see her purse here. Fuck. Miss, this is a Catholic hospital. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just... I can see that. Oh, hang on. Here she comes. Oh, thank God. One moment. Okay. Thank you.
1: Can I help you?
0: Hi, um, I met a woman last night who thought we should speak. Here's her card. I think you may be related.
1: Okay, I do know this woman. Who are you?
0: My name is Rebecca Lash. I'm a journalist. Is there somewhere we can talk? She looked me up and down. There was no judgment in it. She was just sizing me up. She looked back down at the card and nodded, as if something suddenly made sense to her. She didn't say a word, smiled at her friend, blocked out, and nodded for me to follow her, which I did, Not a word, all the way to her car.
1: Your recorder is on now? I turned it off when you asked, but yeah, just now, it's on. So what I just told you, that part's confidential. No one can ever know. They won't. Okay, so as to what sent you to ask about, oh, You're recording. I shouldn't have said her name.
0: I'll beep it out if I use this.
1: Okay. Mr. Garza, no one has told you about him? No. This is the first time I've heard the name. He was a street preacher. Was? He's missing. A lot of people think he was... We should just say blessed. A living servant of God. Imagine if... John the Baptist had been alive today. You know, he had a pretty big following. He carved rosaries, icons, amulets. God, people treat them like holy relics. You can't buy one, not at any price. He was blind, but people swear he could see, which he could not. His eyes were completely clouded. Any number of people would have paid to try to fix him, but he wasn't interested. I will say he was very sweet, very warm. I don't speak Spanish, but probably very wise. Do you understand? A Catholic street prophet, who was in it for the right reasons. Oh yes, he was homeless by choice. He gave every penny he ever saw away. Our mutual friend said, You may know
0: something about Arab demons and why her aunt's hand was cut off.
1: I'm not sure what any of that means, but a couple of officers brought Garza in here one night on the edge of death. The ER put four pints in him. His tongue had been cut out. Yikes. The surgeons could have sewn it back on. The men had it in a cup packed in snow, but he wouldn't let them. He slipped out an hour later, and other than his priest... He had a priest? Oh yes, he wasn't ordained. He went to mass every day. You know the name of the priest? Father McKee. He's in Crown Heights, St. Martin's Parish. Okay. But anyway, other than Father McKee, he was only seen one more time. He led his followers to the financial district to take the evil out of the world. And who knows what happened there in Manhattan, but he hasn't been seen since. Did he say who attacked him the night he came in? He said it was the demons. Well, obviously he didn't say it, but he got the point across. He'd been very active. He'd been saying the demons were many, that we were few, that a great evil was upon us and that we had to prepare. All this was rumor we were hearing come in the door. He was well-liked, but other than his followers, no one really took him seriously. And the woman who sent you, she's convinced that the two things are connected. So that's what I know. God bless her. She's been looking into Arabic demons, and she thinks his tongue was cut out for speaking truth. And you know the right hand is the clean hand in that culture. Um, okay. I didn't... So I'm told. She thinks it was cut off for handing something to someone.
0: Hmm. So connected in sort of an Old Testament way.
1: Oh yes, but... Oh, she didn't tell you. We're talking about a specific someone. The officer. Are you about to tell me
0: that John Gaines is the cop that brought Mr. Garza into the hospital?
1: Yes. I've known John for years, so when she said his name... You made the connection. Got it. So you see? I do. You said there was another officer there with him that night? A very nice Middle Eastern man, and... From the way he communicated, he had medical training.
0: Let's see. Was it
1: Farzam Yari? I didn't catch his name.
0: But you haven't seen him since? No. Anything else?
1: Just that John's missing now too, and nobody really seems to care.
0: Let me ask you. Have you ever seen a symbol that looks like this? called the Seal of Solomon.
1: Mm, I've heard of Solomon, but I've never seen that. Why? I'm not sure yet.
0: It wasn't clear if Mr. Garza had been warning about a coming evil before the mysterious container arrived at the port, or only after he heard some rumor about it. But did it mean anything, even if it had been? Every nutter I've ever seen preach from a street corner is convinced that the world is coming to an end at any minute. But as I reviewed my uncle's notes, I saw something that had escaped me before. Next to the name John Gaines, Uncle George had written in the margin the word stable, followed by a question mark. What made him ask that question? It occurred to me that if Gaines wasn't stable and had a religious bent, that Garza's gloom and doom, along with the shock of losing wicks, could have had a destabilizing effect. Someone with a following like Garza could have spread the demon rumors far and wide. But was this a grand coincidence? Or was this something that had been orchestrated for effect? And by whom? Needless to say, I was exhausted. But since Detective Crawford had insisted I start at the beginning, I headed to the port to see what I could learn about the container. I was woefully ill-prepared. First of all, not just anyone can step foot on a U.S. port. Apparently, ever since 9-11, they've been locked down tighter than the band's goodie box. People that work there have to pass a federal clearance and get an access permit. Guests have to have a sponsor and be issued a pass to even go to the offices, and it takes a couple days to be cleared. I did have one name that I tried to float as the person I wanted to see. I'd heard it in the fire captain's recording. Hans. But when I said it... The gate guard laughed, and that was the end of the conversation. I was dead on my feet, and as I stood near the port entrance waiting on a bus, a place called The Lighthouse caught my eye. It was just one of a few bars right across the street, and while I was pretty sure I never wanted to drink again, I realized that I didn't need to go on the port. The port would cross the street at quitting time, and I'd be waiting. That gave me eight hours to kill. I've just gotten to the address Uncle George had in his notes for the bloodbath. It's like he said, a financial tower. Glass entrance, underground garage, and the financial district is not in the part of town I'd expect to see where I'm seeing. I'd better get some photos before it's too late. Sorry! The wall on every building facing the bloodbath tower are scrubbed very clean from graffiti removal, and a lot of it. I'll post these photos once I get a website up, but if you can hear the scrubbing, you guessed it. It's a man removing a star with a circle around it. Hey, sir. Excuse me, sir, how often- Ma'am, you need to move along. I just wanted to- I know what you just want. But you need to move along. This building is private property. You can't take pictures of it. I'm on the street. You are on the sidewalk. And we have a renovation permit right there. Which gives us control of the sidewalk. (laughs) That's unbelievable, that's not even real. Move along please, no photos. Well, I'll just stand in the street and take photos. And those officers will give you a ticket for obstructing traffic. What is this? I'm a reporter, haven't you heard of Freedom of the Press? (laughs) Jesus, all right, now she's called for help and my late uncle's good name can't do me any good here because these goons coming are not New York's finest. The cops and since I'm not wearing high heels and a pencil skirt, I'm just gonna skip the hassle. Great. Now they're just gonna keep walking along, stalking me. Mm, Fuck tarts. Fucking corporate America. Imperial crap. Where's a decent dark alley when you need to go scarjo on a couple of dimwits? One great thing about Uber: the cabbies are hungry. Hi. Uh, stay right. Go real slow, will you? Thanks for that. Let's go to Queens. Take the tunnel.
2: Starting route to 148 Sherwood Drive. (laughs) You come to see the miracle? What's that? The miracle. You are a reporter, no?
0: Yeah. How'd you know?
2: I watch. You don't work here, but you're working. I saw you from way back. You crossed the street, you had a microphone.
0: You work this area a lot? Every day. What's the miracle?
2: A saint was made, Senor Garza.
0: Garza? You knew him?
2: Yes. Yes, he carved these.
0: So you were here on the Day of the Miracle?
2: No, my little granddaughter was being born, but I heard. I heard everything.
0: So Garza, he was here. And there was a shootout, a lot of violence?
2: Terrible things. He was here, yes, and so many others.
0: And they had symbols. Symbols that looked like the paint they kept cleaning up off the wall, like... Like this.
2: Yes! very holy. It was for protection.
0: Protection?
2: From the evil.
0: What kind of evil?
2: Old evil. Very old. Senor Garza says it was brought back an old God before Jesus. The people held up the symbol and made a wall of prayer to hold the evil so Senor Garza could put out his flame.
0: Garza put out the flame? He went in the building?
2: Yes. And he prepared others. God took him straight to heaven for what he did. His soul. His soul. We don't know about his body.
0: Have you ever heard the name John Gaines?
2: Uh, no.
0: So demons. Is that what Garza fought?
2: Evil? Demons? I don't know. Maybe there were many. Maybe he only fight one. He's with God now. The evil? In hell, maybe.
0: Were there other places with demons? Have you heard?
2: Senor Garza said they were all around us. Maybe they are still. That's why I have these.
0: So Senor Garza, he went in the building. Yes. To fight the evil.
2: Yes, yes.
0: But there were cops too, right?
2: Many cops. Many. But only a few who could resist the evil because Senor Garza, he made them ready.
0: Right around this corner. It'll be the second house on the left. What the?
2: You moving soon?
0: No. Hang on, give me a minute. What the hell are you doing? Who are you? Loading out. No, you're not. No, you are not. Put that down. You, what are you doing here?
1: I'm Amanda Braum. I'm staging this house.
0: I know who you are. I saw your face on the sign, which you'll notice is no longer in the yard up right there excuse me who are you i am this is my house now and i think you know who i am since i left a message two nights ago telling you i was coming to town i'm calling the attorney and you if you don't put that down i will have every cop in new york here in about three seconds flat
1: do you know who my uncle was i know your uncle very well i sold him this house well you didn't know him
0: very well because you weren't at the wake last night Why is he still moving boxes?
1: Those are old records your uncle asked that I see are thrown out. I can't sell a house with the garage stacked to the ceiling. And you are going to want this staged. Let me show you what we're going to bring in. It'll look- Hey! Hey!
0: Alejandro, will you help me? Sure. Pull there in the front of the driveway. The meter's still running, right? No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Now, thick-skull real estate lady, no one is leaving until everything is back in that house. And you have two seconds, or I dial this phone, and the guys that gave me this righteous hangover pull up here and arrest all of you. But I have- Let me see that. You were saying? She stood there with venom pouring from her eyes for a huff or three, and then whirled her finger in the air, stormed her Mercedes, and drove away. Ugh. I'll give the guys credit for being chill about it and putting the furniture back where they found it. But the boxes? They just slung into the driveway and left. All of this probably wouldn't have ended up in the podcast, except for what happened next. I walked in the garage to stack boxes, and on the wall behind where they had been, I saw a bulletin board with yellowed news clippings and index cards thumbtacked to it. Strings connected one story or name to another. It was all about my dad. Timelines of investigations, reference numbers, which I came to realize were tied to duty rosters in the boxes. This was years of investigation on bulletin boards that covered the walls of the garage. My uncle never expected me to be here so soon, or maybe at all. He asked for this to be sent to the incinerator on his way out of town. But here it was, and here I was. One of the last things my uncle had said to me was that my dad had been shot by a dirty cop. He said that it took him a long time, but he saw it through. There were boxes with FBI written on them, newer boxes with Homeland written on them, and then a name jumped off the wall at me, one of many in the middle of cards and connections. Shillman. The man Wicks and Gaines were trying to arrest when Wicks died. Suddenly. I could feel the pulse in my neck, wherever the rabbit hole full of demons might end. For my Uncle George, it started long before any container arrived at the port. And now, I was standing at the place where two paths met. One had begun at the port only a few weeks ago, the other much older, and for some reason, Detective Crawford warned me not to follow it.
3: Rebecca, how are you doing? I was beginning to worry.
0: I'm okay, I'm in Queens my uncle's house? Oh,
3: that must be hard.
0: It just feels so strange. Not as hard as the stuff in Pennsylvania. That was terrible.
3: Reconciling death is never easy.
0: Working helps?
3: Oh, work always helps. When I was in Da Nang, the deadlines were the only thing that got me through. The slapping of the typewriter keys, it would pull me away. Funny, the little things we remember. I still have that typewriter.
0: So, I've been in town for a few days. Tell me. It sounds like there was an attempt to rob the Federal Reserve vault at the center of this thing.
3: That seems to fit.
0: And at least one woman was killed to cover it up.
3: Oh Wow. Dangerous business. Do you have confirmation? Not yet. But you know what
0: I do have confirmation on? The demon thing. It's been coming at me from every direction. People really believe it.
3: I've always liked that angle on this story. Keep digging. The intertwining of that and the reality of what happened is gonna be fascinating.
0: But there's one more thing. One of the names at the center of this peculiar string of events? My uncle had that name years ago. Part of him looking into my father's death.
3: Uh Uh-oh. Now we know why this became such a thing with him.
0: And I think I've been warned. No, I know I've been warned to stay away from that part of it.
3: And what's that make you want to do?
0: Dig in that much more.
3: Good answer. You might not like what you find. I know. But honey, you're an investigative journalist. Run toward the gunfire, as we used to say. With all the best ones, that's the instinct.
0: And the very best ones are dead.
3: Well, you remember that? (laughs) I maybe shouldn't. I've said that.
0: After teaching it to how many thousands of journalism students? Ah,
3: but I've lost a few. Iraq took its toll.
0: The truth never kills, but the tyrants that want to hide it do.
3: You were a good student.
0: Running towards the gunfire.
3: Be careful. Keep me posted.
0: I paced around, almost wishing the garage had been cleaned out before I got here. I was exhausted. My head, a mosh pit. So I went digging through my Uncle George's surprisingly legit collection of vinyl. The fucking pogues are in there. And no telling what his old turntable's worth these days. Why didn't I get to know my uncle better? So I put on If I Should Fall From Grace With God, which was released before I was even born, and then laid down on his big comfy sofa. Nothing soothes like a good baseline on vinyl. I drifted off to A Fairy Tale of New York, which is an amazing song if you've never heard it. I don't know how long the needle bumped against the label before I woke up, but as I emerged, the bump startled me, and I jerked up from a dream of Uncle George looking down the barrel of a pistol at me. It was almost dark, and dark comes early, so if I hurried, I'd get to the bar across from the port just as the second round was being poured. I didn't want to draw too much attention, but I also didn't want to not draw attention, so I broke out my metallic date docks, yanked on scarlet fishnets under some shredded as cattery curtain jeans, and topped it with a Milk Duds t-shirt that's tight enough to suggest the irony. My leather normally says piss off, so I went vintage with my wool Ukrainian military jacket, which someone always asks about. And in case you were counting, that's four conversation starters in one getup. It was time to go fishing. And for a pro tip I've picked up working bar since day one, always keep a lighter in your pocket, even
2: if you don't smoke. Damn it. Need a light? Looks that way. You having one?
0: I'm trying to quit.
2: You're still carrying a lighter.
0: Didn't say I was trying very hard. Camel light? Mm, it'll work. And for the record, I don't smoke. But smokers gossip, and gossip is gold, so I can fake it when I need to. Especially for when a bartender's taking a break. Thanks. Worked here long?
3: Few years. It doesn't suck.
0: Not sucking is good. <laughs> no, wait. That came out wrong. I mean, never mind. Don't even <coughs> touch it.
2: Where are you from? Never seen you here before.
0: Philly. I'm a punk rock reporter, believe it or not.
2: Get the fuck out.
0: For reals. Right now, I'm doing a side gig, some shit on demons in New York.
2: Demons? Fuck.
0: It's pretty whack. So, I'm looking to talk to this guy named Hans. Don't know his last name, pretty heavy accent, German, maybe Danish? Mm
2: -hmm. You're talking about Harold. Hans was just what they called him because of the accent. It was Harold on his credit card.
0: You keep saying was?
2: Yeah, Harold's dead.
3: Sound by podcast stage.